Welcome to Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening, a show where we celebrate resilience and inspire transformation. Our guests share their stories of how they overcame a traumedy and turned it into a triumph. I am your host, Stars Tita. Get excited and let's have some fun. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that this is our final episode. I am so excited. It just seems like time went super, super fast. This is our seventh episode. I decided to do seven because seven is my favorite number and it's a it's a number of completion. So today I get to interview one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. But before I get into that interview, I want to just dive into exactly why I'm here, why I decided to do this. Mind body, soul, this podcast. And when you come here, my goal is to give you the strength, the tools, the strategies to overcome all your obstacles that you've come over in your life. And today's special guest is my daughter. I'm her biggest fan, Divinity Gaines. So I'm just going to play a quick little intro video for you so you can learn a little bit about her. Here you go. Growing up, I would get called things like weird, stuck up, different, I was bullied. I was the shortest person in class. And I guess that's the price you pay when you find your life's personal legend. I started dancing after the passing of my great-grandmother, Lucy, who I'm actually named after. After she passed away, I dove head first into dance. Dance saved me. It gave me a sense of purpose. It healed me. I found a safe space where I could express myself without feeling like I wasn't good enough. Life for me kind of happened pretty quick. Um, I was forced to grow up quick. I, was, I wasn't I was forced to work quick because my talent just gave me the jobs that it gave me and I got it. By the time I'm 21, I've already danced in big arenas. I've already traveled the world. I've done the movies, I did the commercials. My life was great, man. Four years ago, I got a call saying that my Little baby brother was murdered in his sneaker boutique in which he worked so hard to get. I, even right now, I don't know what to say about it because it changed my life in its whole totality. I was, before this happened to me, I would say I was literally living my best life. Like I was on the path to getting anything I wanted. My dreams seemed like they they had no limit. Like the sky was literally the limit. And then when this happened to me, it was just like this mysterious force that just that just came to me and made me, it, it convinced me that none of my dreams would ever come true. Anything that I had planned wasn't possible anymore. And it made me lose confidence in myself, within my craft. I lost friends because of it. And, but what I will say, it made me such a stronger divinity. Um, I don't want to say I'm thankful for what happened to me, but I believe that any negative situation, you could turn into a positive. From the, from what happened to me, I realized that I couldn't stay in a space that broke me. 
you cannot heal in a space that broke you. So I decided to move to LA. That was one of the last conversations I actually had with my brother. It was about me moving to LA and, you know, doing all the things that I'm doing now. And he just told me like, yo, you don't have anything to worry about. Like, you don't have anything to worry about, just go. But then he passed away and I was like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I have to stay here. I have to take care of my mom. Like, how, how can I leave? But I also believe in taking risk. I think that's how how far I've gotten this far is just by taking a risk. So I jumped on a plane and I came to Los Angeles. No, I didn't get here and everything didn't just go poof. And then like life was great. No, shit actually got harder. <laughs> it got harder for me. I found myself in such a dark place. I felt like I was fighting demons because I was by myself here. But through it all, I believe, like I said, these mysterious forces, it builds character. It makes you the person that you're gonna be. In the long run, it turns you into a sheep or a lion. Are you gonna level up and reach the next level? Or are you gonna let what happened to you keep you down? That's not me. I'm a lion. I'm triumphant and I believe that through anything all you have to do is take that first step is take that first step and the universe will just give you all the things you need and growing up like I never knew what divinity meant like what is divinity and through time and through reading through yoga and meditation and traveling the world I found out what divinity meant it's a connection between the mind the body and soul and when all that comes together and your divinity is in motion life just happens for you with effortless ease and you reach that pure potentiality without trying that's your mission on this earth when you find your personal legend and you know what you want the universe will comprise all the things you need for you to reach your pure potentiality and i'm so thankful that i left that place that broke me to make me into this person now. I want people to know that anything is possible, no matter how shitty your cards might be. Self-love is so important. You can change the narrative of your life with every breath you take. Every step you take to beat adversity builds character and it makes you you. No matter who you are or what you do, when you really want something, it's because that desire is originated in the soul of the universe and it's your mission on this earth. Everything that is happening at this moment is the result of the choices you've made up. So keep making those choices, keep showing up for yourself, connect with your mind, spirit and body to get your divinity in motion so that you can reach your pure potentiality and live life with effortless ease. Thank you very much. <laughs> I said I stopped the video before you gave all your great things at the end of what you do. How did it feel watching that? Um, I just, 
Uh, I was proud of myself. I recorded that maybe two years ago, like during the middle of the pandemic. So to see that video now versus where I am, it's like a whole different person. Actually, like three years because it's 2023, two or three years. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So if you're watching us, this is my daughter. And I brought her on here because she is one of the most strongest women that I know. Uh, she's 30 years old. And I definitely wanted her on for the younger generation. Didi, most of the people that I've had on here, they've been older adults sharing what they've gone through in their life. And I really wanted to dive into the younger generation, like people in their 20s and you know, 30s that are going through things and they don't know how to get through it. So I had a guest on here and usually I'll say, what's the one thing that that one big trauma or tragedy that changed your life forever? And one guest who was on last week, his name was Adam Smith. And he said he doesn't think it was just one thing. He thinks it was a build up of multiple things. Uh, would you say it was one thing that kind of made you change or was it a multitude of things that happened? Um, I'll say for me, it was a defining, like when we talk about trauma or things that happen in your life, there's different types of traumas that you that that there that there are. And for me, I would say my defining moment of my life was an acute trauma. It was an incident that happened one time. And from that one incident, it was a ripple effect, like the storm happened and then the waves kept rolling and different things came up for me that I didn't even know was inside of me. That's what I was just, so it sounds like before this one thing, uh, would you like to share what that one thing is? Yeah, sure. So back in 2016, it was February 26, 2016, around like maybe 8 p.m. I was at Madison Square Garden uh, dancing for the Nick City Dance team. And I got a call. I spoke about this in the video that you watched, but I got a call saying that my brother was murdered in his sneaker boutique and he owned. And that call changed my life forever. Um, my brother was vi violently murdered in his sneaker boutique by a, a senseless act of violence. And to this day, we still do not know who his killers are, um, even though I feel like I know, but it's not for the world to know because the list that you I know when you didn't tell me is that what you oh it's on you got a list it's it's a list there's a okay. list okay. and within my list um, those people got dealt with and their karma came to them whether they had something to do with it or not but yeah um, so yeah my brother was murdered and that rocked my whole world. Long I love it. Short. So before this happened, the other things from the past, did they really affect you? And would you like to talk about those? Um, what do you mean? I'm sorry. So you said the incident of your brother, that was the one thing that kind of catapulted everything. Like, and then all the other things from your past started coming up. Is that correct? I would say so. And would you like to talk about those other things? Or a couple of them? Sure. So um, after dealing with the traumatic event that I dealt with, I at the time I was in a relationship with a, with a person and I didn't realize the trauma that I was or abuse, for lack of better words, that I was experiencing because I was in such a dark place and things were coming up for me like, OK, for child, childhood trauma, for instance, unhealed daddy issues, for instance, abandonment um, issues were coming up for me, but I didn't know that these were something, things that were inside of me until I got a therapist and I was like, okay, I thought I was here to heal this grief, but underneath of this grief, there's so much more other things. 
Wow. And I know we talk about you and I, and maybe other people as well, that generational trauma from years and years and years in the past. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Would you like to give your insight on that? On generational trauma? Is it a real thing? Do people just make it up to make excuses? No, I think that it's a very real thing. Like um, within everybody's body, you store up to seven years of generational trauma. And if we go back to like the Bible and like the book of Genesis, when God came and like put raft on the world because he was mad at the man, he, uh, he said like what he can do, it will happen for generation and generation and generation. But he also promised us that he would never like what he did in the beginning when he, you know, um, had the boat and the people and just washed everything out with a big tidal wave. So like, he'll never do that again. But however, like his word will go for generations and generations and generations. And within our body, we store trauma that um, other people didn't deal with. So if someone else doesn't deal with it, it's going to be passed along to you. And then um, unconsciously, you're holding things in your bodies that don't even belong to you. True, true. Uh, I want to go a little bit deeper, and this is personal, but it's against me, so it's okay. I know recently, over the past few years, you shared some things that happened in your childhood that affected you. And I'm just curious, did you always have these feelings? For example, when you said, I remember when I got married and you had said, uh, well, you were supposed to move with me. I guess, let me just get to the question. Would you say some things that happened in your childhood it always affected you or did this impact the, you know, the incident of your brother make it come even bigger? I think that uh, these things always affected me, but I didn't know what, what I was feeling. Like I couldn't place a name to these emotions that I was feeling. For instance, I um, chose bad partners and I was okay with having bad partners in my life just because I wanted a male figure some type of male presence because I had never grew up with a dad. So I didn't know how, how, or what proper love should be like from a male because I never experienced that. So it was like, whatever was given to me, I would just take it. Um, for instance, with um, abandonment issues, this is something that I can like tie in to be like, okay, this is why this is like this abandonment issues. Growing up, I, my mom, Tina, person on the side of the screen, she was a single mom. She worked a lot. I me and my brother pretty much raised ourselves. Our great grandmother looked after us, but she was sick while she was looking after us. So technically it was like, we were kind of looking after her as she was looking after us. So um, a lot of times as a child, I would be very angry and I would act out and I didn't understand why I was acting out. Or I'd be like, I hate my mom uh, right on the walls. Like, I hate my mom. It's not that I hated her or you I wanted Tina, to You never called me mom. You called me yeah, Tina. I called her, yeah, I called her <laughs> Tina. And, I didn't want to act out rebelliously, but like, I just didn't know what I was feeling inside. It was a sense of, I needed to be loved. I wanted to be treated like a child. For example, in high school, I started indulging in alcohol and weed and smoking cigarettes very early. Like I rebelled and I'm like, why am I so rebellious right now? Like, why do I have this such a rebellious spirit in me? Because I um, didn't like the way that things were happening at home. So in order to feel the void of what I was experiencing at home, I would do whatever I wanted out on the streets because I felt like it didn't matter. I have to say, I remember the first time, I think I've told you this before, the first time I heard you curse because when you were home, you were like my little princess. Everything was perfect. I was home and I remember you were walking down the street and I 
listening out the window. I was like, she's cursing. I almost had a heart attack. Uh, so it's just ironic that you actually say that. I want you to give some advice to that person, that child that may be listening right now. They're in high school and they're going through what you went through. Their parent is working or they don't have time to be with them. If you could go back, I know we can't. What do you think could have helped that situation? Um, I think finding coping mechanisms is the best way to uh, deal with anything. It's like, what do you have in your toolbox to help you when these feelings of anxiety, depression, abandonment issues, like when this comes up, what can I take from my toolbox to help me feel better? For me, my outlet was dense. Like, I'm so grateful that I found something that made me feel like I had a sense of belonging or a home where I could just express myself or my emotions rather in a healthy way. Um, so I think picking up uh, a hobby, moving your body, like trying not to stay stuck or paralyzed in, in what you're feeling, but move your body. Um, our minds are programmed just to hang on to negative thoughts and emotions longer than it does actual positive things. So I would say maybe exercise, go on a walk, find dance, find a support. I think support is very important and don't be afraid to uh, seek help or, you know, tell people like, hey, I'm hurting, although they might not believe what you're saying, because there were many times when I would say, I remember in high school, I really wanted to leave the school that I was in because I was getting severely bullied. And I kept saying, like, I want to get out of this school. I want to get out of this school. And I know it's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine. It's not like that. So if you feel like you're not being heard, I just encourage you just to continue to keep pressing that button and just keep pressing it until your voice is heard. And if you really, really don't like the way that you're being treated, just leave. I mean, maybe you're 12 or 13 years old, but there's somebody out there that's willing to help you and that has gone through what you're going through. So just know that you're not alone and just continue to seek help and look towards the light. I don't know if you noticed, but I made a face when you said severely bullied because I know bullying, but I really don't recall. So you think I was like smoking weed all the time because it's like things that happened. I guess I was just busy working or whatever. Would you mind sharing an incident where you were severely bullied and how you got through that? Yeah, I think one thing that just recently popped up for me this year is um, I, in, what was this, middle school, I think, I was, uh, I, so long story short, my, grand, my great-grandmother died when I was in sixth or seventh grade, I can't remember, it's been so long now, and after she passed away, I was really, really, really heartbroken, but I didn't know that I was heartbroken because I'm a child and I just, we don't really get to talk about our emotions in school or even just as a black woman in America or a black person in America, you have to just be this super strong person. So I just had to continue to go on with life, but my outlet was dance. So I booked my first job, like my first real job where I was getting paid at 12 years old as a professional dancer, dancing as a Nets Kids dancer. And people were very jealous of that, but I didn't. I didn't get it. Um, so I was also a cheerleader at the time. And I remember being at a football game and the girls were like, oh, let's practice doing stunts. And I was a flyer and they kept wanting to practice a stunt. But every time it was time to cradle, they would just let me fall on the floor. And this happened maybe like seven times. And by the eighth time I fell on the, fell on the ground and I uh, broke, my, broke my arm. I broke my arm. And to this day as a 30 year old woman, I'm like, um, I'm still having complications with my shoulders and my arms and just 
in just processing how I even trust people, you know, because I put my trust in these people and I broke my arm because of it. Um, another time in high school, uh, these girls, <laughs> I left my leather jacket in the bathroom and they thought it was a good idea to take my jacket and put it in the toilet bowl. Um, wow. I do remember my that. And I, my friends and I, we were literally like scared to come to school because we thought that we were going to get our asses kicked after school. So we would take a rock and we would put socks in a rock and just keep it in our book bags. We would bring knives to school because we were literally scared. I don't remember that. This was the pink lips. What was your names? Yeah, nobody really knew we called ourselves a plastics. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. So I feel that you've said this before, when children go through some type of death, whether it's a parent or grandparent, there should be some type of, I don't want to say therapy, but coping mechanism, because it's just kind of like go to school and pretend everything was fine. But you said dance helps you get through that, correct? Yes, for sure. I love it. So I want to, before you get into that toolbox, because I know you get into that toolbox all the time, I know what is the greatest highlight for yourself. If you could go through the reel of life of divinity, of all the things you've accomplished, if you could choose one thing that you're most excited about, most proud of that you have done, what would that be? Uh, I think that's a really hard question. I think I'm just um, really proud to be here right now. Like, I think I take every day as a, a moment that I'm proud of because every day I wake up and choose to seek the light and it could be very different. So I'm just proud that I chose to seek the light and not stay in a dark place because me, seek, me seeking the light has allowed me to do things past my world, my like wildest imagination. So I want to share of some of the work that you've done. I remember during COVID, what was the book that you read and you stopped talking for a few days? I don't remember. And what, uh, tell us about that incident because she was, you were like, I can't talk. I remember we all started getting mad because uh, we couldn't talk to you. Do you remember that incident? Yeah. Yeah. What was the purpose of that? Of me not talking, of just go, going on mute. Um, you can't talk and think at the same time. And That's I needed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's simple. I love it. And it's when I was watching your video, you actually said mind, body, soul, or spirit. And I was like, wow, that's pretty deep. She actually said the name of the show. And I had this conversation with you before when you went, I don't know if it was Bali or Nicaragua. Could you tell us about the incidents when you did the work over there? And then I want to share what you looked like and felt like when you came back and what made you decide to go there? Yeah, so um, I think I've always had a travel bug inside of me. Like I'm a natural, I'm a Libra, so I, I'm very airy and I just love to travel. And in 2000, I don't remember what year it is. I think it was for my 27th birthday. I found this like um, retreat to Bali. And I just am something in my spirit was like, you have to go to Bali. Like you really need to dig deep and it can't happen in this city. Like you need, you need help. So I traveled to Bali with 12, 12 complete strangers. And I did, it was a root chakra. I'm, I'm sorry, throat chakra rather retreat and and there we just dove deep about how to unlock your throat chakra how to use your voice because i felt like um my throat was just clogged like a lot of my life i was a people pleaser 
I would just say and do the right things in front of people and how I actually felt, it would never come out. And I remember points of time, my throat would literally be burning because I wanted to say one thing, but it just did not come out the way that I wanted it. So that's why I decided to go to Bali so I can heal my root chakra. And then during quarantine, I went to Nicaragua because I was like, I have to get, again, my soul wasn't <laughs> being fulfilled in this large city. I felt like I needed to just go away to learn more about myself, learn a different culture. And I ended up, I didn't really have a, oh, I'm going to come back at this time, but I ended up staying there for almost four and a half months, a little bit over, um, like almost a hundred days, 115 days, I don't know, something like that. I was there and while I was there, I did a 200 hour yoga teacher training. So I'm a certified yoga teacher. Um, in that program, I met a lot of people that were like myself who didn't necessarily feel like they fit or belonged in, in the societal norms and they wanted to shift towards a new paradigm um, and just get out of the matrix. And while I was there, I participated in many different ceremonies like cacao ceremonies, um, um, peyote ceremonies and just different plant medicine ceremonies to help you open up your third eye more to see what you're like, what's really needs to come up and out so that you can live your life with effortless ease. And as I was saying, when she came back, I remember we were in my girlfriend's backyard and you were very thin and just, you felt like an, if I could feel an angel, you felt like an angel. When you hugged me, we just hugged for so long and it was absolutely beautiful. There's someone who's listening to this and they're like, oh, Nicaragua, Bali, I don't have the money to do that. I think it was like a month's time you had to get the money together for Bali. Can you share how in your life, no matter what it is you wanted, no matter what the price you made it happen, how your mindset worked with that? Yeah, I think relationship to money is a huge thing. Like I grew up poor and I didn't realize that we were poor until... Um, I became an adult myself and I was like, oh, and I think seeing the relation, like we talk about, we talked about generational curses in the beginning, seeing my mom's relationship to money, my grandma's relationship to money secretly like bled onto me. So I had to figure out my own relationship with money. So when I see prices that are like $2,000, $3,000, that's nothing. That's that's pennies like that's what we have to train our mind to believe and um when you change the voice in your head to see life like things flow to me with effortless ease i can have anything i want i am a money magnet those things come to you when i decided i wanted to go to bali it was like maybe a month before the trip and i think it was a little bit over two thousand dollars i didn't really have any money i didn't have any money but i just told the universe like hey this is what i really want to do i will do anything besides um, you know, like shaking my ass on a pole to get this money. And I started Instacarting and it was the worst experience ever. Every time I would go Instacarting, if you don't know what Instacarting is, you basically go grocery shopping for people. And every time that I would do a delivery, I would get like a ticket. One time my car got towed and I had to pay like a thousand dollars to get my car out. This was all in that month span. So I was like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to to get there and lo and behold i was teaching class at millennium a dance class and this woman she was watching my class through the window and she was like i want to take privates with you like i'm here in town for 10 more days i want to take privates every day like what does it cost and i was like thank you god 
And yeah. $2,000. <laughs> and even moving to California, like California expensive $10 again. Tell us about the move there from New Jersey. New Jersey, it's like all the way on the other side of the United States. Were you scared? How did you make it happen? How long have you been there? There's an artist out there, a singer, an actor, a dancer, whatever. And they're like, I want to be like you. Would you suggest they do what you do? They, what are your thoughts on that? I think that we all are uniquely created in God's image. So I don't think you should want to be like anyone else, but who you are. Um, I feel like when you start trying to be like somebody else or changing who you are, you lose the essence of you and you might end up on the wrong path, you know, because everyone's journey is different. If anybody's looking to travel or explore or take a risk or jump off the cliff, absolutely do it. If you feel a burning desire in your heart, do it. The worst thing that will happen is you fall, you know, what's his name Donnie McClurk when we fall down but we get up you'll get back up again and you just keep trying so now I want to dive into your business how can people get in touch with you tell us about divinity in motion what are some of the things you've done you've never really had a real job like a nine to five is that correct yeah I don't work jobs I am the job (laughs) say that again say it again it's not my words. It's actually like, I think it's like a city girl song or something like that. Um, but it's just pretty much like, I don't work jobs. I am the job. I think when you create the life that you want for yourself, you don't have to wake up and do a job. Like I call things work jobs. Like I, you have your passion jobs. Like, okay, I teach out of school in Pasadena. I teach yoga. I own my own company called Divinity in Motion. Like that is not work. But sometimes you have to do the work jobs. Like, doing Instacart or dancing out by mitzvahs to get extra cash or just doing those weird odd jobs that only your unique gifts and talents can get you. Those are called, that's what I call work jobs. <laughs> by the way, did your mermaid fin come in yet? It actually comes. I just got an email. It'll be here soon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So what is divinity in motion? Tell us about that. And divinity- how was it created? Yeah, Divinity Emotion was created um, in the middle of quarantine. I realized that I uh, needed to get myself in motion and take action and Divinity Emotion just kind of stuck. I don't know, that day when I went silent is when I got the, this word of what I needed to do. And Divinity Emotion, uh, we bridged the gap of uh, emotional and physical well-being with holistic practices to help reduce anxiety and depression and help you live life with effortless ease and reach your pure potentiality. Um, with that being said, I offer a 21-day challenge that you can find on the internet. I offer in-person classes, whether it be yoga classes, um, beach classes. I have my own method. It's a workout. It's called Divinity in Motion. It's about a 45 minute class where I combine um, a very centering grounding moment mixed with some boxing, dance cardio, a little hit section, coming all back together with some grounding. Um, That one's a stellar. I got to teach that in Nicaragua um, at a resort there. So that was really nice. Um, Yeah, divinity in motion is a lifestyle. It's a way that you live your life. I love it. Divinity in motion lifestyle. What's next for Divinity Gains? Um, honestly, I mean, you don't it's like not. 
thing because you know I'm the one like, what are we doing next week? What are you doing? Mom, calm down. So I know this is a tough question for you. Um, I think what's next for me is just to um, there's other certifications that I would like to get. Like I want to get into pre and postnatal certifications. I want to get a uh, comedic yoga certifications. I want to continue to travel so that I can learn more and add more tools onto my tool belt. Um, and honestly, I'm just really open to whatever God's plan is for me. Cause it's not really my plan. If I say, Oh, I want to do this, the complete opposite will probably happen. Sure. Do you talk to little divinity a lot? My younger self? Yes. Um, yeah, I think in the beginning of my healing journey, that's something that I definitely had to tap into and, and, you know, be like, okay, what is what, like, when did we disconnect? How can we come back together? And I think as I'm turning older, like being my 30 year old self, I think it's just time for me right now is to go back to the things that I really enjoyed as a child and just really make that my main priority. For example, I love swimming as a child. I love going to the beach. So I bought a mermaid tail. I got a surfboard. Um, I really enjoyed, what else did I like as a child? I really enjoyed like spending time in nature and just running around outside. So when I get, I started hiking, that's very different. I never did that at all in my twenties. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, so you're 30 now in your twenties from, let's just say 23. I think that's when it happened to your brother to now that's seven years, you have a toolbox now, a tool belt, because I guess I should ask you, do you still have moments where you get a little low and depressed or sad? Absolutely. And can you share with us what's in your tool belt that perhaps we can use to support us? Yeah, so I think we all, the main thing that we can use to support us and I, that has helped me tremendously is breath work. Um, because your breath, your prana, breath, prana, prana, energy, when you're able to control how you breathe, you're able to regulate your nervous system. Another source that's in my toolbox, that's like literally my right and my left hand is my relationship that I have to God. And, and I, once I strengthened that relationship with God, literally, um, things just became a lot easier because sometimes we try to just depend on ourselves and try to figure out all these answers on our own, but we are not here on our own. And literally God is the beginning, the middle and the end. Like he knows your whole entire trajectory of your life. So once I leaned more onto God and understood what it means to have a relationship with God, I understood my purpose on this earth. So those moments when I am really low and like, Ooh, like I don't want to get out the bed today. I feel like offing myself. I would tap into my breath. I would. Can you share listen. going back to faith? You said you strengthened your faith. How did you do that? Reading the Bible, going to church, listening to music. Like I'm asking because I want to get even closer myself. Um, just how do you have a? How do you strengthen your relationship with anybody? Spending time with them. Exactly. God's up there. Like, how can you spend time with someone that's not there? It's the same way. And that's the thing. Like, when we think about grief, grief, and when you're sad, how do you spend time with somebody who's not here? It's, it's the same. In my mind, it's like, okay, it's the same thing. I meditate. I listen to music. 
I read the Bible. I look at. Not Do you understand what you're reading when you read it? Yeah, because I'm not just reading like I'm just going to read this like I'm reading a book. Like I'll find a verse or a chapter that I'm stuck on for a while. And I'm like, gosh, I'm just reading this over and over again to be like, okay, what does this actually mean? What is what is this saying? And finding different stories that um, help me put things together because it's all parables. Like when Jesus is talking, it's all parables. And it's parables just to know that like, hey, you're loved. Like that's that's all that he's saying. Like, hey, you're loved. I love you. I love you. And sometimes we don't hear that in our everyday lives, like talking to people. You, some people don't hear that I love you or some people, you know, their mom or dad didn't hug them enough, but there's ways that you can hug yourself, you know, have a relationship that way. I can sit here and just talk to God, like if I'm talking to anybody else. And if you're quiet enough, if you're quiet enough, you'll hear something. It might be your own thoughts maybe, but you, you can hear it and you can get that while, you know, meditating as well. It's the same thing. Do you get sad in that quietness? And I ask because for myself, I don't like to do it too long because if, if emotions start to flare. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I'm in the shower, you know, we only have a certain amount of time that we can be in the shower. That's when I really like listen to praise and worship music in the shower and maybe I cry in the shower, but it's cool. Um go sometimes it's always not crying sometimes it's like a rejoicing a rejoicing like ceremony that i'm having it doesn't always have to be like oh i'm gonna sit here and just cry i'm so sad like there's no need to be sad true okay so you said breath work your faith what else is in your tool belt toolbox i think healthy eating habits really really help um, I think the better you fuel yourself, you're able to regulate your nervous system and how your blood flows. So when you're eating better, it helps me. I recently got these different little tinctures, like one for brain health. I got one for my liver, one for mucus booster, because your health is like your well-being. So the more your body is alkaline and in a positive state, your mind will be more positive because if you're drinking alcohol, if you're smoking you know, cigarettes, drinking liquor, staying out all night, you're going to wake up the next morning feeling like shit. And then it's just going to spiral effect. But if you're getting enough sleep, you're hydrated, you're eating properly, your body's already going to be on go. So when those moments of grief pop up, that might, that before may have, you know, made you sit down and be all in your feelings, maybe the moment of grief will be in a rejoice or a celebration for just the life that you have. The screen kind of um, jumped. Did you say tea for things? Is that what you said before when you're saying what, the things you take? Oh, uh, they're like, it's tinctured. So it's a tincture tea? like situation. Yeah, it's, it's called, it's, it's, it's tea? Tincture. No, it's not tea. It's a liquid form of different herbs and okay. vitamins broken down into a liquid form. Okay. At first I thought you said tea, like different teas for your brain and things like that. Where can you get something like that from? Can you talk about that a little more? I've never heard of that. I think you bought them at that festival. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So you can get, so it's basically like a supplement, like a dietary supplement that you can get at like a GNC or any holistic store. And pretty much the ones that I have is one for my liver to help cleanse your liver. I have another one for brain, for my brain. And then I have another one for a mucus booster buster it's not booster mucus buster <laughs> to help get the you know mucus out of your body because the more mucus that's in your body causes inflammation inflammation causes stiff joints and you know 
it's just a ripple effect. And I think there's another one, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. I love it. I love it. Education training. Talk to me about that. Or do you love training, schooling? What are your thoughts on that? Is it a good thing? To go to school? Education training. Doesn't even have to be like school or college, but what are your thoughts on that? Can you tell us your journey quickly? Or not quickly, but your thoughts on that? I think that we were still talking about coping mechanisms. Sorry. You know, I have ADDD. Breath work. Faith, faith and your teacher and your your lifestyle lifestyle like, like choosing a healthy lifestyle and then i would say having a support system like a support system or a support word and um you know like hey if you're not feeling your best you have a therapist that that can support you you have a friend who's okay supporting you because you don't want to be that person that's always the trauma dumper every time you're around this friend, like make sure it's with boundaries. Um, so I gave you breath work, having a faith, your lifestyle, mental support. And then I would say, choose a, a modality that allows you to move your body to get your physical, um, your, your asana, your a physical practice, a physical movement that will help you move your body because when you physically move your body, you release more endorphins in your body and endorphins ultimately just make you happy. Love it. Em empathy, em empath. You are an empath. Do you think that sometimes you, you give too much of yourself? Do you find you have a lot of people asking you for help and support? How do you deal with that? Yeah, I think in my younger days, I was definitely, I am an empath, yes. In my, what does that mean? That means I just feel a lot of everything. I feel a lot of emotions. I can feel other people's emotions. Um, people will just come to me. I won't even know them and they will just dump on me. I I used to call myself like a trash can because it's just like DD dumps. But now I just realized that I am the vessel and they feel comfortable telling me th these things and trusting me with it. So I'm thankful that I'm able to give back. But in my younger years, I used to be a super, um, I just want to help everybody. Everybody can talk to me. I'm here. I'm open. Whatever. And um, I, that just caused to burnout and exhaustion. So now I understand that I can only pour from my overflow, which means if I don't, if my cup is at a 50, I can't go out into the world and give because my cup needs to be at 110. Because when I give, I want to give you from my overflow and not my own energy. Love it. Love it. Can you talk about boundaries? Because I know you made that strict with me. It was like, mom, can you talk to fortune having reason? Were you scared to do it at first? I don't think I understood what a boundary was. I'm like, what is a boundary? You know, and it's just being like, no, this isn't okay. Like, it's kind of a rule that you have for your life. For example, like the government, they have so many boundaries for us. You have to have a license. Your car needs to be registered. It cannot go past the inspection date. You cannot park in the red. And it doesn't matter if you like it or not. Those are just the rules. And that's what works for the government and it keeps them running. So you have to create your set of rules that works for you and that keeps you going. And if that person doesn't like it and they cannot respect the rules that you have for your life to make yourself function better, then that's a hard no. I love that. That is such a great analogy. And 
I want to ask you, and I believe that you are your brand. I say that with people, the person that you are, that's the type of business you are. And I would love for you to share what your core values are or your, your business. If you have pillars, the things that your foundation that goes into your business, because divinity in motion, as she mentioned, it's a lifestyle. It's a business. It's just love and light. Would you like to share with us your personal brand that transforms over to your business? Yeah, I think the main thing for my brand is authenticity. Um, it's a holistic practice and it involves community. And I feel like I was saying, like when you're your most authentic self and you're living in your most authentic self, following holistic practices, because some 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 someone's authentic self might be I don't say there's no good or bad, but someone's authentic self might be a little bit rude, right? I'm from New Jersey. So sometimes my authenticity can come off a little bit like Jersey. If you ever met somebody from Jersey, like we like to say fuck a lot. It's just kind of what we do. But that um, might not be the best holistic that is good for my mom, body, and soul that will help serve a community because it's all about community. At the end of the day, we all like community is the way that we all uh, make it to the top. I'm holding my heart because seeing you do that, I was on Facebook and I was so tempted to tag you, but I did not. It's summertime. And I remember when we, it's a lot of pictures of you in our summer camp with the kids. Can you share with us? And then I'm just going to start to bring this to a close about your love for children, teaching children, anything you like to share about kids. Cause when I was looking at the videos and the pictures on Facebook from when we had our modeling camp and you know, you're teaching them how to dance and how to model and all this sort of stuff. What's your love with that? Anything you want to talk about with children? I think, um, um, I think at a very young age, I always wanted to. Growing up, we gr we grew up in like row housing. It was not the projects, but it was equivalent to the projects. Like it might as well have been the projects, but it just wasn't as many houses. We just had two row houses in a big building, so it was very community like. Um, so I grew up around a lot of boys and girls, more boys and girls my age, and we just all grew up together. So it was very community based. So and we lived in income, low income housing. And I remember always going to I was that token black kid at the summer dance camps, at the sleepaway camps. And I wanted to be able to teach. Uh, this was always been my goal to be able to, to foster my talents back to people in underprivileged communities. So with children. I don't know. It just kind of clicked for me with with kids. I feel like if you can teach a child, you can teach them anything. And I it brought me great value to be able to, or it brought me great joy to be able to instill positive values and be an example for them because that they will hold on to for life versus me dancing behind T-Fly on 106 and Park in underpants and shaking my butt like that doesn't really do much for someone like a, like your words can't or the Love impact it. that you put on their lives. Love it. Which brings me to Molly Gaines. We haven't talked about your nonprofit. I understand that 
we both have something coming up the end of the year, the sneaker drive. Is there anything you'd like to share about that? And if you're listening to this right now, we are going to Nigeria. We're taking sneakers, 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 and we also want to bring some other things. So if you want to donate, you can go to Divinity's website or to my website, but share with us about the nonprofit. If you can think of, we've done many events. It's been seven years. We've done about 14 different events out of those. Is there one that stands out in your mind? or anything you'd like to share about the nonprofit, which is called the Molly Gaines Foundation? Yeah, I think the nonprofit is, it was super special, especially it was really special for me to be able to help guide the our OG boys and to see them like in middle school all the way through to high school. Um, and it also just made me become a better person I would travel from New York City every weekend to be there at nine o'clock in the morning for them at the JFK Center. And it just taught me how to um, show up for somebody other than myself and and not really looking to gain anything for myself. I was like, I'm just showing up because this is the calling and these kids love it. And it brought me so much joy. I really enjoyed There's so many. I guess in the first year we did a, a mother son dance. That was really fun to see all the boys and their moms get dressed up at the middle school and even myself dressed up and taking I have this one photo with them we all look so cute and I look super cute and they're all around me just supporting me and they just want it as much as I want it for them they wanted that for me as well I love it usually at the end I bring Renee in to ask a question or two that she may possibly have but before we go to her is there anything else you would like to share before we come to the close yeah, I think I would just like to share that no matter who you are or what you're going through, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Whatever you do, do not give up on yourself. If you ever need any type of help or, or anything, please reach out to me and never, ever, ever stop talking about your story. Even if it's 20, 15 years later, don't ever stop talking about it because the more you talk about it, the more you're paying homage to yourself, you're respecting yourself, and you never know um, what your words might say that can help somebody else. DivinityGains.com. That is her website where you can reach her. DivinityGains.com if you want to take her one-on-one coaching classes, personal training classes. If you want to take a Divinity Motion class, pop up for one of her retreats. I understand you're doing a retreat a couple of weeks in Bermuda. Uh, any, okay. Renee, any questions before we get out of here? I, I do. I love, first of all, what you said about the children. Your mom knows I always go to the children because it's very important, I think, to teach children that they have a voice, right? Even though they're children, they have a voice. I wish that that had been told to me it would have saved me a lot of years of unnecessary. Does it stop with the one that is the strong, strong enough to bear all of the seven years of the trauma, the seven generations, pardon me. Uh, I, I'm interested in that to know because it seems like a lot. Yeah, I think with the generational trauma, it is a ripple effect. Like I said, if 
for example, for me, I had to do the work so that my mom and my grandma can see it. And I don't think if I did the work, they would have never um, saw it. And then they weren't, they wouldn't have been able to do their own work. It got to a point we were at a retreat together. This was last year it was me, my mom and my grandma with so many other families and we're there to heal and do the whole grief thing. And I've come a long way in my journey. Like I did a lot of work and I realized I'm a little bit further than everybody else here. So let me just give everybody grace. And I'm sitting there and then just one day I, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And I had a conversation with my mom and my grandma and I was like, if you guys don't get your stuff together and realize what, what you're doing and how that is affecting me and how it's going to affect Alisa, my baby cousin, and the kids that I have, like, I will never bring, I didn't say this to them, but to myself, I'm like, I would never bring my kids around you guys or dare leave them alone until you figure out your own stuff. Because like, you, you don't know it subconsciously, you're just passing this behavior down. So for me, yes, it's very hard. It was very hard because nobody, I felt like no one really understood what I was talking about. And my family's also from the island. So when I would ask questions, people were like, oh, no, we don't talk about that. No, no, we're going to talk about it. Because if you don't talk about it, it's just going to keep sitting there growing fungus and fungus and fungus. And then eventually it has to come out and you're going to be like, ew. So clean up the mess before it gets too big, you know? What would you say is an easy way? Or, well, nothing's easy, shall I say. How can people start? cleaning up their mess with their family and all that stuff? I think it first involves you taking a look at yourself. Like you have to clean up yourself before you can try to clean up any other mess. Like, okay, I'm going to make sure my stuff is together and then they'll get it together on their own. Like I, I, I realized that's what it was for me. I don't think that I, um, I don't think that I was like, all right, I have to sit down. Let's, let's do this therapy together. I think it was them seeing how I'm moving, how I'm taking action, really encouraged them to be like, oh, wow, well, if, if Didi can do it, you know, then maybe maybe I can do it too. And also just bringing awareness to, to the problem. Like at first it might be, it gets very lonely in the beginning. Um, but once you bring awareness, I think people will eventually start to wake up, but everybody's on their own time. And some people, they don't wanna change. They like to be exactly how they are that's fine that's when you put on your your boundary glasses boundary glasses that's a new one anything else you want to say renee before we get out of here you've been amazing i could listen to you all day thank yes you. thank you so much Didi. i'm so excited uh for the end of my first season and i'm sure this is going to touch someone's heart i'm sure this is going to share someone you know make someone feel better make sure you go to divinitygains.com and we're out of here Peace, ladies. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Thank you.